0: This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit FilmGeekRadio.com for more great
1: shows. Hey, dear listeners, Andrew here. Uh, Before playing this episode, I wanted to give you a quick heads up. This is likely going to be a one-part episode, not a two-part episode, on Fast and Furious 6. Uh, Why is that, you ask? Well, because to be perfectly honest, while you can tell at points during this segment that we were having some tech issues with skype that doesn't really communicate the full extent of the situation this episode was the tech nightmare from hell and probably the worst recording experience monica and i have ever had it took us hours to get through the show and the worst part was that we had a special guest jake mulligan Joining us, so it was all pretty embarrassing, mostly due to an awful internet connection on my end. And uh, then, after we were done, we discovered that some of the files for part two of our Furious Six discussion were corrupt, and it, it was a big mess. So, pretty much all of our spoiler talk was lost. It is possible, but honestly unlikely at this point, that Monica and I will re record part two of our discussion. There's just been too much podcasting this week between this and our Star Trek and Gatsby episodes. It's been pretty exhausting. Anyways, I just wanted to give you a heads up and let you know that there is a point in this recording when I disappear from the conversation for a while due to tech reasons. Don't be alarmed. I have done my best to edit around it. But uh, above all, I really would just like to apologize to Jake Mulligan. He is a super smart guy, and unfortunately, you won't be able to hear a lot of what we talked about. He made a very compelling case and placed the Fast and Furious films from Tokyo Drift onward in the context of Hong Kong action cinema, comparing them to films by people like John Woo and Johnny Toe. And he even convinced me to check out Better Luck Tomorrow, one of director Justin Lin's first films, which, strangely enough, contains a character from the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, And I did check that movie out, and it was quite good. So he uh, definitely knows what he's talking about, and he almost convinced me that the Fast and Furious movies are great works of genre cinema. He also told me he's got an essay coming out about the legacy of the Fast and Furious films, so follow him on Twitter at underscore Jake Mulligan and be on the lookout for that. Honestly, he's an incredible critic, and Jake, if you're listening, please don't hate us. I'm so sorry about all these tech problems. It's never this bad, and you're a great guy. If I'm ever in Boston, I'm totally going to buy you a million drinks to to, to make up for it. Anyways, I just thought you all deserved an explanation as to what happened. But without further ado, here is our episode on Fast and Furious 6. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo.
2: Hello, Andrew. Vroom, 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 vroom. I wouldn't know what that sound is.
1: <laughs> There's no more that needs to be said about the movie we're, That's your we're discussing today.
2: Is that your pull quote?
1: Broom <laughs> vroom from Andrew Johnson at Film Geek Radio. All right, this is episode number 51 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Fast and Furious 6. If you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio, focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies. Today, we are privileged to be joined by a very special guest. He is a film critic for Charleston City Paper Boston, and he's a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. Jake Mulligan, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Jake, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is I've heard through the grapevine that you are a big fan of the Fast and Furious movies. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I've got mixed feelings on a lot of the films, but I'm certainly a connoisseur of the Fast and Furious series, Absolutely. Okay.
1: All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about Fast and Furious 6. Monica, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little information about the movie?
2: Wait, there's more than cars? Oh, wait, Jake, do you want to try and give a synopsis?
1: This is my job now?
0: Um, I can give it. Well, you a, can try it. I can, you want me to give a synopsis <laughs> of Fast and Furious 6? Yes. Okay, I can. I can try. So, a non-spoiler synopsis. Yes. Isn't everything a spoiler nowadays, though? Like, if I tell you the villain, isn't that a spoiler? Honest question. I say no. Like, how far can I go here?
1: You know, nothing past the first act.
0: Okay, so basically, Fast 6 finds everyone after Fast 5, super rich. Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto character has recently been informed by The Rock's DSS agent. That his girlfriend, Letty, played by Michelle Ortiz, long thought dead since the somewhat mediocre Fast Four, is in fact alive and working with a team of former spec ops, to be exact, car thieves in Britain. So, he uh, gets Vin Diesel to assemble his whole team. So, Dom... Gets the whole crew together to go after this team of militarist vehicular warfare errs, And that's pretty much the first act.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, description. One quick correction. It's not Michelle Ortiz. It's Michelle Rodriguez. Don't be racist. Letty Ortiz, played by Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, okay.
2: You did call her Michelle Ortiz.
0: Well, it's not because I'm racist. It's that's because characters
1: last (laughs) (laughs) all right here's a clip
2: i'm gonna need everything all the info you got you'll get it when the team gets it no team this is gonna have to be me alone it's not that simple the crew were after they hit like thunder and disappear like smoke you going alone you won't ever touch them been chasing this guy across four continents and 12 countries and believe me the last damn place i want to be right now is on your front doorstep selling girl scout cookies i need your help dom i need your team
1: okay jake well because you are a self-described fast and furious connoisseur i'm gonna let you go first how do you think this compares to the other movies in the franchise do you think it's a good movie do you think it's one of the better ones or is this kind of a disappointing entry? This is a near great movie by any
0: standard, much less by the Fast and Furious standard. Five is on a whole nother level compared to the rest of them. This is pretty much on the level with five. Uh but these last two have been almost truly great genre films by any yardstick, much less by the franchise yardstick. I mean they're playing around maybe not with the best Action work that's ever been done, but I think comparing this to something like, you know, hard boiled, that's not a stretch
1: at all. Did you just compare Furious Six to hard boiled?
0: (laughs) Absolutely, and I'd love to hear an argument of why one is inherently that much better than the other.
1: Okay, well, we yeah, we'll definitely get into that at some point during the show. Monica, your thoughts on Furious Six? I I don't know is the, is this is the title of Fast and Furious Six, or is it just Furious Six? Because Furious Six is what comes up on the screen, but according to IMDb, the official title is Fast and Furious Six. So I don't know. I feel like when it comes to these movies, th- this the studio has pretty much just said. Uh, it's the sixth one, and it's it's fast and furious, and it, it's one of them, at least.
2: Hello, are you back yet, Andrew? Hello? Goodness, it's like pulling teeth. Otherwise, I'm just going to interview you. You and I are going to talk Furious 6. It's well. about to go that way. <laughs> Which, it's going to be your conversation.
0: Well, Why don't you interview me about Furious 6, and then when he jumps in, he can be the special guest.
2: All right, well... Well, I don't want to
0: take over. Is that a good idea?
2: Well, we'll play with it. I mean, you're my friend, so we already know how to talk to each other. This isn't like an awkward thing or whatever. But I guess I get to say my five cents on whether or not I liked it. You know, you you pretty much dug it. I was not expecting much, so I was very pleasantly surprised that I had a lot of fun with it. Um, did love the action sequences. I am putting aside, of course, the sexism of the super macho movies um, in order to enjoy it.
0: I'm not sure it's totally sexist. Let's get into that for a minute. Let's, let's not oh, brush okay. that by. Let's not brush right. that by. Sell me on this movie being sexist.
2: You still got the shots of women's butts. You know, you still have that fetishization, objectification.
0: And it doesn't do the same to Vin Diesel.
2: It's a different. It, I'm sorry. It is a different thing with the camera, male gaze versus like he's not really being objectified. It's him. It's his body. You know, it belongs to him. The scene that I'm thinking about, is I know when the you're, exact
0: thing, scene you're thinking about. It's 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 in every Fast movie. It's the street race, right?
2: No, I'm not even there.
0: Oh, well, yet. the street races, that's the sexist moment. Even I can admit that.
2: <laughs> well, but what are you thinking? I, I, it's the headless body of the girl that walks in front of the camera in a bikini. I mean, she's not really a person or a character. She's really just for display purposes And In what only. exact scene?
0: I'm sorry. You could be talking about a number of scenes.
2: I think the one that comes to mind is the one when you're going to see Ludacris for the first time. And he's... Oh, at the okay. ATM.
0: Okay, I yeah. know. Okay. Well, I think that's just so deeply ingrained into the series at this point that, like, well, not even just into the series, but into, like, you know, car magazine culture, really. You know, you, the car magazine cover is never just a car, is it?
2: Yeah, it's the girl straddled on top of the car, too.
0: Right, and that's what these movies have to play to. I mean, there's certain things that come along with the branding. Have to? Would you accept a Doctor Who story without time travel?
2: Different, way different. I'm You're not, not exploiting so sure. anyone. You're not exploiting anyone.
0: I don't think for time travel. That, I don't think this is that bad. I really don't.
2: I mean, it's still in that line of tradition.
0: It is in the line of tradition, but it's also somewhat subverting it with with Gina Carano and Michelle Rodriguez. You have to admit.
2: Well, here's that. That's the thing. You have these powerful women that do go above and beyond just what their characters would have mandated in like a movie, say ten, twelve year or twenty years ten or twenty years ago where they would have just been the arm candy for these guys. Right. And in fact they're badasses and they fight like hell. And so it's sad that we've made this progression in this sense, but we still have a lot of the, you know, tenants of the But if I can that. say my
0: piece. I yeah. think and I'm not just defending this for the sake of looking at really nice asses. I'm defending this for the sake of like that is so deeply ingrained into not just the the, the series not just the genre but the entire culture and I think what Lin does with it is he makes it so ridiculously ludicrous that you have to laugh at how badly he's exploiting it it's almost similar you know not the exact same thing but it almost reminds me of what Quentin was doing with the lap dance scene in Death Proof it's like Lin if you think about the big street race in this scene it's mm-hmm. like the cameras on ecstasy it's like fading to black over and over again he puts the crystal method over the scene I mean it's just ludicrously over the top I mean, can we agree on that?
2: Yes. The fact that there is a part where a tank gets thrown over. No, I'm talking specifically
0: about the scene where they go to the street race and it's just women dancing everywhere on top of cars. Yeah. I think that's so ridiculously overblown that that's just as much as he could possibly have subverted it and gotten away with it while still making the movie.
2: There's a thing about subversion and using the same language, I guess, as say, Michael Bay, who doesn't subvert it at all. He's really just doing it straight up for exploitive purposes.
0: Well, unless we're talking about pain and gain, but yeah. Okay. Oh, my
2: Lord. <laughs> He's still on the...
0: Pain and gain is fantastic. Don't get me started.
2: for that. No, I can't. No, we're doing Furious 6 right now.
0: <laughs> pain and gain is excellent. Go see it.
2: I already recorded my say on that. That was uh, for your viewers who
0: only got to hear your take.
2: Oh, and Andrew's. <laughs> Apparently, Andrew won't have a say in this one.
0: Yeah, where is he? Should we try and call him back here? I'm back. Can you hear me? We do. Wow. Yay.
2: Unbelievable.
0: Let's jump back, though. We were talking about hard boiled, right? Yes.
1: Well, Monica, did you like Furious Six?
2: Well, yeah, I did get to say I did like it. Putting aside some of the sexism, which Jake and I did have a conversation about. But yeah, uh, putting that aside, I mostly had fun. I was not expecting it to, but it was ridiculous and campy and pretty enjoyable for me. (laughs)
1: Okay, well, I would would say all those things about Fast Five. I would not say them about Fast Six.
2: Oh, so you would not team furious i'm
1: not i mean it's okay it's definitely not the worst in the series but i would also not say it's particularly good it's it's sort of just somewhere in the middle i mean if you thought the plot for fast five was a loose plot this movie it's there really is no plot it's basically just exactly loosely (laughs) connected series of action set pieces
2: i don't think anyone goes to these for a plot though well, I, I, I'm not
1: necessarily going for a plot, but I'm going for at least some sort of basic attempt. I mean, the fifth one doesn't have the best plot in the world, but it's the fairly basic, conventional, we're going after a bad guy with lots of money. And that's all I really needed, but this movie, I, I you know, the bad guy is supposed to have some... Plan to, like, unleash this device that will do something to military technology. I don't know. They never really explained it. I wasn't really sure what the stakes were. Uh, I just... I didn't feel very invested in in any of the goings-on in the film. And one of the main reasons I think Fast Five works so well is just those action set pieces are so great And they're also in the middle of the day and are clearly visible, unlike all the action scenes in this movie, which, with the exception of one, take place at night. And I I just found them to be very murky uh, and pretty incomprehensible most of the time. Now, that might have been projection. It looked pretty damn good to me. What did you think, Monica?
2: It looked fine. Yeah, we, we're not exactly the town known for its best projection. No,
0: that sincerely might have been projection. I don't know. I mean, I thought Lynn Lin handled the cinematography really well. I think even if you look at the hand-to-hand choreography scenes with Gina Carano and with um, that excellent fellow from The Raid, whose name I cannot recall at the moment, Yes, he, ha- he manages to keep things on a pretty even keel. He's not doing as much. nearly even. I didn't even think he did as much shaky cam as he did in fi- Fast Five.
1: Well, the thing about the hand-to-hand combat, some of that, I think those scenes were definitely the most comprehensible of the action scenes. But even then, th- there were a lot of uh, close-ups and 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 medium shots. The camera was held pretty tight in a lot of those in, of, of of those hand-to-hand fights, and I sort of just wished that the movie would visually just sort of take a step back and let us really observe all the fight choreography and when it came to the driving scenes particularly the climactic scene which i'm not going to spoil just yet i don't know if it was the editing or or what it was but i found that very very hard to understand just the geography of the scene and which car was where and i just eventually i just sort of gave up and was like i don't know where anybody is and i can't figure out what's happening really. I'm getting little glimpses of some action, but it didn't really come together into any sort of meaningful whole to me.
0: I don't know. I got to disagree. I mean, we'll get into the final sequence, I guess, later. But I thought the, all the action sequences were absolutely magnificent, peaked right at the right moments. Uh The choreography I thought was fine. I mean, I've heard complaints about the last sequences from other people, but I thought it was great. You know, you got one person in a Jeep, one in a... Okay, we should Get into this later. But <laughs> I think, they, really I think he went out of his way to um, differentiate in that scenario, to make everyone look individualistic enough that you, you knew where everyone was. And um, the fact that it's night, at night, you know, I kind of dig it. It gave it a look that's different. Most of the series has taken place at day, I guess, except for Tokyo Drift. So um, I kind of dug that. I mean, even if you think at the end of Fast and Furious, they've got those great chases. A movie I don't even like so much, but they've got these great chases through the Mexican borders that's all through the daytime. You know, the first one was mainly through the daytime. Five, as you mentioned, all through the daytime.
1: Didn't work for me. I will say a few things I like. I liked that this is essentially one team of people versus another team of people. And I liked how they at least thematically differentiated between the two. You've got the one group that's all about family versus the other group that's all about efficiency and precision. And at one point someone even jokes that, you know, the other team is basically their evil twins. And then at, at certain points in the film, you'll get to see each of our quote unquote heroes fighting their evil twin, <laughs> so to speak. So I thought that was fun and 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 and, and a nice touch, but Overall, yeah, I just wasn't nearly as invested in the story or the action as I was in Fast 5, and yeah, it just really didn't do a whole lot for me. I would rank this alongside pretty much all the other Fast and Furious movies, which I consider to be pretty mediocre films, with the exception of Fast (laughs) 5. No. I thought
2: you just said that Tokyo Drift was not bad or, like, pretty good or something. I just saw you on Twitter. Yes,
1: I literally just watched Tokyo Drift for the first time around two hours ago.
2: <laughs> you liked it.
1: What do you think? We should talk about Tokyo Drift now. I thought that for a Fast and Furious film, it's one of the better ones. Probably the second best behind Fast Five, but I think that there is a huge divide between Tokyo Drift and Fast Five. Fast Five to me just stands head and shoulders above all the other installments. I don't know. I
0: gotta say, you're gonna have to sell me on the big division between five and six. I really don't see much of a split. I mean, I'll be totally frank. I prefer five to six mainly because I think I prefer that the... Action sequences in five play straight, while the action sequences in six tend to be cross cut with a number of other action sequences. Like he likes to juggle and go back and forth here, which he didn't do in five. I don't really think that makes it worse, but it's more of a personal preference. I think what he's done in both of these movies is he's made the plot so irrelevant that we're almost getting to like a near experimental po- point of like nothing that actually happens regarding the narrative matters. It's all about the pleasure of the big-budget action sequences and of the set pieces and of the metal clashing and of the car crashes and all that stuff. I mean, in 5, they spend the whole time organizing a plan that ends up not working, so they just pull the vault out on cables instead. I mean, the entire 90 minutes is made irrelevant.
1: Right, and that would be fine with me if, again, like I said, I enjoyed the action, but I did not really enjoy the action in... Furious 6. Uh, with the exception of a scene that takes place on a long freeway in the daytime, I enjoyed that scene overall. Again, because I could see everything that was happening. So, but other than that, it just really didn't do much for me, I gotta say. And, and the team dynamic uh, and the relationships between the characters, it all felt very monotonous and repetitive. There was no new ground really broken in terms of the characters beyond anything. When was there ever new ground broken? <laughs> These are like Leone archetypes. They've stayed the same since day one. I agree. They're not exactly the most fleshed out characters, but even with the little bits of conflict that they bring up, like Dom having to to win Letty back over to their side, even the, little things like that, I just didn't think really were handled very well. So, well let me sincerely counter that. Like,
0: I think at this point in the series, like the fun isn't even on the conflict between the team members. I mean, when I'm talking about the non-narrative stuff, I also like the idea that like basically the plot of this movie is that, you know, there's been like a fever dream evil twin version of these guys as you mentioned and we just go to battle. So the plot means nothing. So if we're talking about the relationships between the main characters who come and go throughout the main movies, now it's become a thing where they've these actors are almost just living it. There's a great scene in this movie. I hope one of you guys remembers it. It's kind of minor. Where where Dom shows up to uh, Brian O'Connor's house. You know, Diesel shows up to Paul Walker's house. And Paul Walker starts just waving his little baby's arm and saying, Hi, Uncle Dom! Hi, Uncle Dom! Do we remember this? Yes. It's like, yes, the, I do. The beginning.
1: And, I, and I have to say, that that was one of the few moments that actually felt real to me. Yeah, it's a fantastic scene. Yeah, I was like, oh, these people are actually human beings. And that right. was it. And I see after that. that. After that moment, I just, there was nothing else like that in the film, in my opinion.
0: Oh, I don't think so. I think they carry that energy. Diesel gets this goofy smile on his face. It's fantastic. It's like, you know, I don't know if he was breaking up in real life or what, but the guy just looks like he's about to crack. And they keep it going for the whole movie. There's a real sense of, like, lived-in friendship there. There's another great scene where they just start snapping off, like, Howard Hawks' dialogue about they're looking for Thore Lindhart's... um, engineer character, and they're snapping off dialogue about where car parts could have possibly come from. And the beats are moving so quick, and there's this great shot of Rock looking at Gina Carano, like, what the hell are they even talking about? And these guys just imbue a real sense of, like, lived-in energy.
1: You know they've been hanging out for years, because they have been, and it's really showing up on the film. See, I it just felt to me like they're going through the motions, like, yeah, this is this same thing we've done before, we're here to cash a paycheck. It really didn't feel like there was anything new or, or fresh that they were bringing to the table. Oh, I couldn't agree less. All right. Well, I, th- I, I see that in every other Hollywood movie this summer. All right. Well, I think we need to wrap up. So just to wrap up, Jake, would you recommend that people see this film? Absolutely. Monica, what about you? Yes. I'm going to say maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if you're a big <laughs> fan of the Fast and Furious series, sure. If you really couldn't care, there's nothing here that should really change your mind about this series. Uh, go watch Fast Five instead. Don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing something. I don't even know. At this point, Monica, we've been podcasting so much. What are we talking about next week?
2: We'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. Hangover 3 or I don't I don't even know.
2: No, don't make me watch that. <laughs>
1: Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place. Jake, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you and your work?
0: Um, You can find my work. In the Charleston City paper at edgeboston.com, uh, collect- collected at bofka.com, and also at jakemulligan.tumblr.com, where I post long-form pieces such as the legacy of the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go read that.
1: <laughs> uh, are you on Twitter? I am at um, an underscore followed by my name. All right. Monica, where can people find you online?
2: People can find my stuff on my Twitter account at movies. that's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com.
1: You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson.
2: I'm Monica Castillo.
1: And have fun with the
2: This has been a Film Geek Radio production.
1: Film Geek Radio! Yeah!